What's up, everybody? Welcome back. <laughs> Hi, good morning. Let's grab a cup of coffee and chat. Okay guys, so I have one of my all-time favorite topics on the docket today, uh, but before we get into that, what am I drinking? Well guys, I'm drinking, sorry, I have to pull it up from my phone because that's just how I am right now, okay? I'm drinking Allegro Coffee's Organic Early Bird Blend. Now, it's nothing special, it's just something that I picked up at Whole Foods, but it's pretty good, and I really, I've really been enjoying it. I am typically a dark roast person. I was raised by someone who strictly, strictly drinks dark roast coffee. Um, but now that I'm kind of, you know, on my own, I'm living with my sister, uh, I am discovering that I actually really enjoy light roasts and medium roasts. And so I'm kind of checking out new coffee, and that's exciting, right? Yeah. Alright, so before we get into it, there's a few things that I want to discuss. First, my allergies are really bad, and if you know me, you know that I'm a sniffly person. So if I'm extra sniffly today, I apologize. I'll try to edit most of it out, but just in case, I have year-round allergies. I'm allergic to everything. I'm allergic to dogs. I know. Uh, <laughs> so if you hear me sniffling and it's obnoxious, I apologize. It drives my dad crazy. Luckily, we have the power of editing, so I can edit most of it out. <laughs> um, for those of you who have, who have already rated and reviewed my podcast, thank you so much. I super appreciate it. It helps get the word out, and it makes my life a lot easier when spreading the news of this podcast. So I super appreciate all of the DMs that I've been getting. I've been getting DMs from strangers, guys. I figured the only people that would be listening to this podcast would be like my family and my friends, so... Shout out if I don't know you and you're listening to this podcast. I super appreciate you. Don't forget to send me a screenshot of your review so I can send you some indie stickers. I have some going out this week, so I'm super pumped about that. Uh, another thing that I want to not spend a lot of time on, because I have a lot to talk about today, but it needs to be said, uh, Black Lives Matter. And that is my stance on that. And I have been getting some backlash for using my voice as a small business owner to speak up against the current status of our country, I guess if you want to call it that. And I have been trying to have open discussions with other local business owners about the Black Lives Matter movement and have been now getting threats, which is super, super fun. But... In response to that, in the month of August, I, as Juicy Dog Walking, will be offering free consults to dog owners who are black. So if that is you, feel free to shoot me a message or give me a call and we can get you started and set up for a consult. And if you don't like that, and if you think that I'm wrong, feel free to not listen to this podcast. That's totally okay. Uh, I don't stand for racism here, and 
I think I mentioned it in the last podcast, so hopefully that's evident at this point, but I do not stand for that shit here. I will not tolerate it, and I will not support it. And so that's that. Let's get into it. <laughs> so, can my dog tell when I'm sad? Short answer? Yeah, they can. That's why dogs make such good therapy, service, and emotional support animals. They're so in tune with our energy. And something that I see a lot is that people, you know, will call me and be like, my dog pees on the floor out of spite because I left him. Or my dog is super guilty when they misbehave. You know, you always see those videos on like YouTube and TikTok and everywhere of the dog smiling or acting like it's cowering because they had an accident or they did something wrong or they chewed something up or whatever. And while it's cute and it makes for really great viral videos, dogs don't actually have emotions like guilt and spite and all these things. They're really just feeding off of your energy and trying to appease to you. A lot of the smiling behaviors and kind of like cowering down, those are all calming, excuse me, allergies. Those are all calming and appeasing, uh, things that dogs do to each other and so they're kind of just saying like oh there's piss but here look at how cute I am smiling a lot is a calming exercise for dogs so while it's super easy to say oh my dog feels guilty my dog feels bad and they mess up dogs actually don't have complex emotions which is sad and maybe I'm wrong what I've read before says this, but we're still learning so much. So maybe dogs actually do have complex emotions and you guys can all tell me to fuck off and that's totally fine. (laughs) But what I truly, truly believe is that dogs feel our energy and they feel it even when it's super subconscious. And so again, I am going to go into like a little story in my experience and how I realized how deeply dogs feel our energy. So I work with dogs every single day. (laughs) I originally started my business just doing dog walking. So there was a point in my life where instead of training dogs every day, I was walking dogs every single day. And when you are walking a dog with a leash and a collar, that energy that you are feeling, again, even if it's subconscious, it's floating down the leash directly from your wrist to that dog's neck. And so they are feeling everything that you're feeling. And so when you're having a bad day, when you're frustrated, when you're angry, when you're upset, whatever, your dog feels that and will act accordingly. So that's why you see a lot of dogs that have leash reactivity issues because they can sense that you're tensing up and they can sense that you're anxious. And so their instinct to say, my owner's anxious, so I have to do everything in my power to protect my owner. When, instead of our dogs protecting us, we should be the ones protecting our dogs. We need to kind of get into a state of mind where we communicate with our dogs that like, hey, I've got your back. I'm not going to let anyone come after you. I'm not going to let anyone hurt you. And if they try it, good luck. (laughs) right? And that's why I'm able to walk six or seven dogs at a time. That's why people are able to walk packs of 15 dogs because they've communicated with their pack that, hey, like, I've got this. You have absolutely no reason to be reactive, to be scared, to be anxious, to anticipate the worst. You have no reason to have to stick up for anyone because I've got your back. 
And that is the mark of a really, really good pack walker. Leash reactivity is something that I see all of the time. And, you know, most of the cases that I have dealt with has been leash reactivity in the form of overexcitement. So a dog sees another dog and absolutely loses its shit. Or a dog sees another person and is pulling and pulling and pulling because I have to say hi to that person. So not only do we have to tell our dogs that, hey, don't worry about it. I've got your back if we come across something scary. We also have to tell our dogs that like, hey, if we see another dog, let me decide if we get to go say hi. We need to let our dogs know that no, not every single person that we come across has to be engaged with. Not everybody wants to say hi to us. And so leash work is really all about communication. And that's why it's so important when you are working a dog, whether you're actively training or just going for a walk outside. That's why it's so important that you stay calm and collected and confident. Now, a lot of this is easier said than done. <laughs> I'm a very, very anxious person and I'm always in my head. And so for me to be truly calm and collected and confident, it takes a lot of work. And I'm glad that I'm able to recognize that because I can kind of guide my clients a little bit easier because I understand the feeling of like impending doom when you take a dog out for a walk who's just like constantly reacting. I totally get it. You get to a point where you don't even enjoy walks anymore and that's unfortunate. But this is where calm energy comes into play and this is probably my most important tip that I share with all of the dog owners that I work with. I think most of the time when I tell people this they just kind of like brush it off like this doesn't actively have anything to do with my dog so it can go by the wayside. But I would argue and say this is the number one skill that I try to teach to all of my clients. And that is finding ways to make you your most confident and collected and calm self. And so what I ask my dog owners to do is I ask them to, you know, take a post-it, write it in your phone or put it somewhere where you can see it, you know, write it on a post-it and put it right by the leashes. But find three things that make you super calm, that just kind of like chill you out and get you in a really good headspace and make you feel super confident. And it can be anything. For some people, it's yoga. Not for me. I do not have the attention span for yoga. I do not have the ability to stay seated and calm for yoga. <laughs> so yoga doesn't work for me. Yoga has the opposite effect. But what works for me is listening to podcasts or like listening to like 80s dance music and like really getting myself hype and like excited. Uh, doing breathing exercises. I just started, started to do some work with crystals and kind of like, uh, what are they called? Hold on. Okay, I literally had to stop and Google them because I forgot what they were called. But they're called worry stones and they're basically just like crystals and like cute shapes and they, you can hold them in your pocket and whatever. And I'm holding one right now because I'm a little anxious. Uh, but doing crystal work has been really calming and soothing for me. And so find whatever works for you. Maybe it's essential oils. Maybe it's listening to Josh Groban. Maybe it's listening to heavy metal. Whatever it might be for you, play around figure that kind of stuff out and find what it is and keep a list of that. So when you're feeling anxious, so when you're feeling stressed, you can turn to this physical object and actively do something about it. 
Now, I was working with a client recently, and I was walking her through this exercise. And I was like, well, what are some things that you enjoy? And she was like, I don't really do much that I enjoy. She's a mom. She has a puppy, so she spends a lot of her time with her puppy, you know. Uh, And I was like, Jackie, no. Okay, this is, like, your only homework for the week is to do stuff that you actually enjoy. I know that you like to play tennis. Do this. Do that. Try anything. Whatever. We need to find stuff for you so that you can, A, have some time for yourself, but B, find stuff and do stuff that relaxes you and makes you feel okay. It's so important, and it's so important that we are healthy and uh, our minds are healthy, especially when we're working with certain kinds of dogs. Now, am I saying that you need to be 100% mentally in order to own a dog? No. Dogs are very, very therapeutic, and they're very good. I'm just saying, in these specific instances, when you're working with the dog, it makes your life so much easier if you are calm. And so, a little story that I have, it always sticks in the back of my head. I had a week where I was, you know, I was still, like, kind of new to pack walks. I had been making the transition from just a dog walker to a dog trainer and working with packs and everything. And I just had, like, a really shitty week. The dogs were being assholes. I, and it just kind of, like, fueled my frustration. And I was in a coaching group at the time. And so I posted in there, like, oh, my God, oh, my dogs are being dicks. Like, how do you guys do this pack stuff, blah, blah, blah. And one of my colleagues, Christine, was like, how are you feeling? And I was like, annoyed and frustrated. I'm really anxious about X, Y, and Z. And she was like, that's why your pack is acting up. And ever since then, it's been like this light bulb in my head. And it's just kind of like, anytime my pack is not behaving in a way that I know that they can, I can kind of self-reflect and be like, well, how was I feeling? Was I frustrated? Was I feeding that energy into my pack? And I want to say like nine times out of 10, yes, I was frustrated. I was anxious about something or I was just feeling depressed or whatever it might be. And so I want you guys to write this down. Write down three things that make you super calm and collected and chill and make you feel confident. And the next time you work with your dog, practice that stuff before you do it. And see if you notice a difference, especially when you're out on leash. Now, on the flip side of this, we need to practice that same kind of stuff with our dogs. And what do I mean by that? I mean that when I'm working with a dog, that dog doesn't get shit. until they're calm. They don't get anything that they enjoy if they're acting a fool, right? They have to be calm, cool, and collected themselves in order to walk on a leash, in order to keep going on our walk, in order to get a treat, in order to get out of the car, everything. And I think when I first tell people that, sometimes they feel like it's like a little extreme, like, oh my god, so my dog can never be excited? No. Sometimes that's the funnest part of owning a dog is seeing them get super excited and seeing them do zoomies and sprint around and act crazy. But when you're actively working your dog, and when I say working your dog, I mean like training your dog or asking your dog to do something other than just exist. It's so important that your dog is calm because a calm dog is a good dog and a calm dog listens to you. Not only do dogs need to listen to you for their own safety and well-being, But dogs so need an off switch. And this is something that I only learned recently, but it is my absolute favorite tool in my little toolbox. 
and it is just such a big game changer when you teach a dog just to chill the fuck out. When you give your dog the ability to just switch everything off, not only do you have a better behaved dog, but it helps so much with the dog's anxiety because a lot of teaching your dog is an off switch is teaching them certain calming techniques and how to self-soothe. And it's just so incredibly important for literally every aspect of your dog's life, but especially for their brain. Now, how do you teach your dog an off switch? Literally, I mean, there's a very specific process that I walk all of my clients through that I can't necessarily like walk you through on a podcast, but I always like to tell people that you have to out-stubborn your dog. And I'm very good at that because I'm a very, very stubborn person. (laughs) But it also includes a lot of just like sitting around and waiting. And when you're dealing with an extremely intelligent and extremely stubborn dog, it can be frustrating. And sometimes these exercises can take hours the first couple times you do it because your dog is stubborn or your dog has a really, really hard time just shutting off. Not shutting off, but like turning everything off. And it can be really difficult and it can be really frustrating, but when you're able to kind of like push through the frustration and work through all of the bullshit, basically, you get a dog where you can say, hey, go lay down, and they do, and they curl up and they fall asleep. So you don't have a dog that's destroying everything. You have a dog that's able to settle and be by themselves without being anxious, without destroying things. And it's, you really just have a well-rounded dog. It's funny, I have a uh, private Facebook group for my current clients, and so we've been working a lot on creating off switches for dogs, and uh, you guys have all seen Indy by now. She's hilarious, she's sassy. If you've been following my dog walking page for any time, you know that she's just got like a lot of personality, and her favorite thing in the entire world is to eat critters, right? And so... And these parents just moved into a new house, and they've got this, like, great big backyard that has, like, a million critters, so it's, like, Indy's paradise. Like, I'm pretty sure they got that house just for Indy, which is totally understandable. (laughs) But, uh, Indy's mom had texted me the one day, and she was like, I had to tie Indy up inside because she was outside trying to sneak through the fence to get to a bunny And then, like, five minutes later, and I was just laughing with her, and then, like, five minutes later, she texted me a picture of Andy laying down on her bed. And she was like, we're working on it, we're working on the off switch, we're working on place, blah, blah, blah. And it was just really cool to see that that particular client had been able to make that decision herself to kind of say, like, hey, my dog's going super nuts right now, and I'm trying to make dinner, or I'm trying to garden, and I can't get them to focus, and everything in this dog's mind is bunny, and I can't have that because it's not healthy. Here's what I need to do. That was such a proud moment for me as a trainer. I was kind of like, this is it. You've done it, Indy's mom. You just made me so incredibly proud. (laughs) So, if you want to teach your dog an off button, you can always reach out to me, but I would say the first thing that you do is don't let your dogs get anything when they're excited and when they're freaking out and when they're over the top and jumping and scratching at you and whatever. Out, stubborn, your dog. It's a great skill to have, to be stubborn. Do a lot of people like it? No. 
but it makes me a damn good dog trainer. <laughs> so guys, I was actually just looking over at my Instagram and I posted that I was recording this episode and an old client of mine, Jen, commented looking for some tips uh, for calm energy in the car with two dogs who feed off of each other. Now, I've worked with both Daisy and Gunther, Gunther before, and they're super high-energy dogs, and they do feed off of each other. So one gets excited, and then the other one goes, and then it's just constant. And I remember when I was first trying to get the both of them to be calm in their crates, like before I even let them out, it probably took me like an hour and a half. So Jen, you've got your work cut out for you, but I know that you can do it because you've done it before. <laughs> and so here's what I'm going to say. You've got Daisy, who whines in the car, and then you've got Gunther, who just likes to bark a lot. My idea and my tip, I'm not sure what kind of car you have, but stick the crate in the car. I don't know if you're working on crating them in the car, but that would be my first tip, is to crate them in the car. And then, as always, I've shown you before how to work with the both of them in their crate to get them out of the crate until they're calm and stuff. Do that every step of the way into the car. So, wait until they're calm to let them out of the crate. Wait until they're calm to put the leashes on them. Wait until they're calm until you get out the door. Wait until you're, they're calm until they get into the car. Things like that. I know it's a lot, and it's really frustrating, and it'll take you forever, but the more you practice and the more you do it, the better results that you're going to get. But you've got this. And anyone else who's in this similar situation as Jen is... I believe in you. You can do this. It's going to take a lot of patience and a lot of stubbornness on your end, but you can do it. I totally believe in you. <laughs> Did I say that yet? <laughs> I think so. Anyway, I could sit here and talk to you guys about calm energy and how important it is for both you and your dog for hours, but uh, we're hitting the 30 minute mark and I don't want to keep you guys forever. So I'm going to cut the podcast off here. Thank you so much for sticking with me through the end. If you have any questions or comments or concerns or anything, feel free to message me or shoot me an email. All of that stuff will be in the show notes, as always. And for those of you who have already reviewed and rated me, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know I said it in the beginning of the episode, but I have to say it again. So thank you so much. If you haven't already reviewed and rated the podcast on Apple Podcasts, please do so. It helps me out a lot. And if you send me a screenshot, I will mail you some indie stickers. So thank you guys again, and I'll see you in the next one.